Amy Van Zandt writes gritty thrillers and cosy mysteries, which have one thing in common. They're funny because, as Amy says, she tried to do serious books, but they always ended up full of jokes. Welcome to The Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler, and today Amy talks about her Sheet McQueen series about a family-friendly team of mercenaries and her pineapple port cozies set in a 55-plus Florida resort. Our giveaway is another Booksweeks draw, Link to the Past, Historical and Family Saga Books. 51 different authors plus an e-reader and open for international entry. Included in this is my own Of Gold and Blood Series 2 book bundle, consisting of two books 1 and 4 in the series, Poisoned Legacy and the New York Christmas novella, Tangled Destiny, which is the prequel. I know many of you will appreciate that it's open to international entries because we have listeners from all over the world. So here's your chance to win a library. Links for the giveaway are in the show notes for this episode on the joysofbingereading.com website, along with links to all of the other things that we're discussing here. You can now look for binge reading on YouTube. If you like to consume your podcast that way, an increasing number of listeners seem to prefer it. And don't forget, if you enjoy the show, leave us a positive comment so others will find it true. Word of mouth is still by far the best way of letting people know. But now, here's our show. Hello there, Amy, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Here are USA Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, and you're writing across a range of genres, from thrillers to cozy mysteries, sudden rom-coms, and fantasy. How did you get started on this trip? I I was always a writer ever since I was young, ever since I could barely write anything, and just seemed like a what I was supposed to do. So I was the East Coast editor of Surfer Magazine for about five years, and I did a lot of freelance writing for magazines, and I wrote a nonfiction book about surfing. And right about then was the time that the internet started to get big. So I started to do web design just as a side gig, and it turned out that was the next big thing. So I ended up doing websites, started a web firm for 20 years. I still have it. And then one day I just woke up and said, what am I doing? Why am I not writing? I was always supposed to be a writer. So I went back to it. It's fabulous. This She McQueen series, which is one of the ones we're talking about today, it's your thriller series. One of the critics has got a gorgeous line to describe it. They say, that Stephanie one goes to Florida, full stop, with Jack Reacher. That just seems to me to say it all and we're looking at number five in the series which is the girl who saw the truth now this whole thriller series is built around troubled mercenaries looking for redemption 
once again, I wondered, where did that concept spring from? I think it mostly just came from the fact that in my other series, which is a cozy mystery, is so tame that I wanted to do something that had a little more bite to it to just break it up for me more than anything. And, and I just came along with this idea and put the, the hotel that the father runs is where my house is <laughs> in real life. And just pretended there was a hotel here instead of my house and took it from there. I think that's called Loggerhead Inn, is this? Yes. Because this area of Florida has the Loggerhead Turtle Sanctuary here for sea turtles. So that word was at the forefront of my mind. Fantastic. Well, Shelly, your key character has some unusual qualities, like seeing numbers as pictures. And you explain that so clearly and interestingly, compellingly, that I did wonder if that was something that you personally experienced. Yeah, it's the way that my brain works. If I see a, a date, if I know I have something to do the next Wednesday, I don't see the word Wednesday or I have a visual thing in my head where I'm seeing basically a calendar line of seven boxes and the center calendar item will be lit up or filled in or just otherwise marked in my head. If I have three things to do that day, there'll be three little lines on that box. So I know it's three things. I can't always remember what three they are, but I know there's three of them. So I'll keep thinking until I think of the third one if I can't think of it. And it's just always how my brain has worked. That's amazing. Look, you're also the master of snappy dialogue in this series, the Sheila Queen series. There's a lot of fantastic dialogue and it really made me think of some of the streaming TV we're seeing now, like Breaking Bad, some of those series. Have you been rather inspired by TV? I definitely do it on purpose. Well, I've heard back that readers don't like a book to end in a cliffhanger, but I think even for my own reading, if I get to the end of a chapter and there's a big punchy cliffhanger, it makes me want to keep reading the book. So I want my readers to keep reading the book until they're finished and then be wanting the next one. So I started just trying to make sure that something exciting happens at the end of every chapter that makes people want to keep going. And it ended up being very much the way TV is written. Yeah. And it does definitely keep you reading. When you're a little bit tired at night, it's a great way to just carry people through the story. And your critics very much comment on that. I mean, your work's been compared to some of the masters of this genre, people like James Patterson and Janet Ivanovich. That must make you feel good inside some days. Oh, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Look, as well as the thrillers, you already have mentioned that you do a cozy series. That's the Pineapple Port series, set in a retirement village. Well, a 55 plus Florida community, which I think you said was inspired by your mother-in-law's situation. Tell us about Pineapple Port. Before I started that series, I was visiting my mother-in-law over on the west coast of Florida, and it's just such an adorable little place that she lives. They're all modular homes. So they're mobile homes in the sense that they're modular, but they're not on wheels. They're just little boxes, and they all have their little yards that they're super proud of with all the little knickknacks in there. And I just thought it was adorable and would make a good place to to have a series. And then I thought, well, what if the person that the series is mostly about was young and she grew up there amongst all the retirees instead of making it 
strictly about the retirees. And I'd like to the dynamic of old and young that let me work with. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually serve as a community which gives out meals once a week. And the artisan retirees that come to that meal, one of them has got a much younger granddaughter who comes with them every time that they come. And I'm quite fascinated by this situation. Obviously, there is a very similar setup where somebody in this community has got a much younger person living with them. So it's not so far beyond the rounds of possibility that this kind of thing happens, although probably is rather unusual. Yeah, and it also gave me the chance to, there was a lady who was maybe 20 or 30 years older than me that I was talking to when I first started writing and I was reading her books and there were a lot of mentions of things that just weren't relevant anymore. Someone would sit down at a typewriter to, to write when you know that now they would stand on the laptop and it, it pulled me out of the story because it wasn't supposed to be a historical book. It was a contemporary book, except it wasn't contemporary anymore. I thought to myself, this would be a neat way for me to sneak in the way my brain works. And I've, of course, got a lot of references that a 50 plus year old person would have. And, but when they come out of my 26 year old character, it doesn't matter because she grew up with all these people. So she might use some kind of old timey phrases and it would just make sense. Yeah, look, that's a very interesting point because I did feel with the She McQueen series that you were way, way up with the technology. I mean, that that series, I just was reading gobsmacked by what I felt was some of the research that you might have done for it because it feels so 21st century. So you've got the feet and two cats, haven't you? Yes, well, and thanks to the web business that I've been in for so long, a nerd anyway, so that makes it a little easier. Yeah. Look, there's a quality, fun quality to both of these series of books that both got a lot of humor in them. And you say that I try to write serious books, but they always end up full of jokes. So I gave up. Tell us a bit about that experience. So what serious books did you try to write at the beginning? My Kilty series, which is definitely super goofy in a good way, but it's, a, it's about a time-traveling Highlander was originally going to be dark. I was going to make that my dark series. And I didn't get very far before I started putting jokes in there instead. And I just knew it was never going to work. I was never going to, I didn't have something really intense and dark happen and then have jokes the rest of the time that I didn't want to not have jokes. So one of the things in that book is the idea that the Highlander comes to modern day instead of Outlander, where it's the modern day woman going back to to the Highlander, and I thought it would be hilarious if he was, once he got here, obsessed with soap and shampoo and getting showers all the time because that wasn't something that was readily available for him. And that was one of the things that bothered me about the Outlander series that they never talk about, of course, because that would ruin the romance, but I just knew that he stunk. Yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes when I'm in the shower, I think this is just such a pure we just century. And I think back to all those people in history who maybe will probably never, ever had that simple sensation. Yeah, exactly. And they're always in that series, falling into bed and whatnot. And it was just like, <laughs> I noticed that the Pineapple Port series are in Kindle Unlimited. And I mean, that really makes sense with you being, as you say, a nurse. I, and you also run a very good promotion business for authors called 
authors XP. And I wonder if you would like to just talk a little bit about the huge changes that are hitting publishing now, including AI. I mean, things have certainly gotten harder since I started in 2015 or so. The landscape has changed entirely. Amazon's so dominant that I think it's 80% of the books that people read, they get from there. Um, so that's why I went with KU personally. I've tried to take my books wide once or twice over the years and went running back again. Um, I have friends that are wide that are perfectly happy being wide. And I think I'm going to take the first pineapple book and put it on Barnes and Noble and the rest of them just for something different. Because when you've got, how many do I have now? I'm just about to release eight films in that series. So it doesn't kill me to have the one book free for everybody to get them into the series. And it's just gotten harder. It's just definitely gotten harder. It's getting easier for people to publish. If you make it easy, there's going to be a lot of people publishing. So the competition gets harder. And of course with AI, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's great to, to use it for certain things, creating subjects for emails and marketing emails that you're sending out. And even just to keep your brain flowing when you're writing. So if you're writing and you know you want a series where two people go to a farm and they find out the yeah, alpaca has been so stolen or something like that, and you're just not sure how it's all going to go down, you can type a little bit of that scene into AI and it'll spit out its version of how things happened. And it's going to be written horribly, but it might give you ideas how you can keep writing with your own stuff. So it's not the end of the world yet. <laughs> it, that's great. And Authors XP also is very good for readers as well, isn't it? Tell us about the advantages for readers. Oh, I offer a daily newsletter that readers can sign up for so they can get notice of books that are free or 99 cents, very much like BookBub. That's a newsletter. And I've also got a lot of things that readers can do, become beta readers, become reviewers work with authors directly, find a lot of new authors. Between the things that I want and the things that the authors I work with want, and there's about 5,000 authors now on the site, we come up with stuff all the time that we think people would like. That's fantastic. Do you mostly read within KU yourself? No, actually I did for a while. And then I just don't have that much time to read, so I canceled it. Plus, I give a lot of books away on Authors XP that I have to buy for the readers. So I get a lot of points. And so it's not that big a deal for me to buy a book once in a while. But uh, yeah. Look, tell us a little about your typical working week. I know that you have a schedule where you start early in the morning. That's You're very much an early riser. Tell us how your normal working day would look. Usually get up around four, more or less. Depends on if the dog woke me up. <laughs> and then I'll work for a while and then I'll walk the dog and then I'll come back and usually write at that point until lunch and then go to lunch. And then I just spotty check back in and make sure there's nothing that needs to be done. So I try to get most of my work out of the way in the morning. So do you write in the mornings that mean do a little bit of marketing later in the day? Yeah, it's a little mixed up. I don't necessarily do a whole lot of anything after two o'clock in the afternoon. Because I got up to the world. My brain's pretty much dead by then. But it's mostly work, write, go back to do a little work, maybe go back to write a little. Yeah, you alternate them. As your brain feels a little tired, you go to something different, freshen it up. 
Exactly. Yeah. Look, you've also described yourself as a serial entrepreneur. You've mentioned the web business. You've made up quite a number of other little brainwaves over the years, and you've got a life hack section on your website, which outlines some of the things that you're still working on. Tell us of your best and worst ideas. I haven't had anything that was that made me rich, and I haven't had anything that <laughs> made me poor. So they've all been pretty middle of the road. They keep me going sort of things. So I like the web company started out as a graphic design. And then as the web got bigger, I did that. When I worked for Surfer, I made a little line of surf maps that I drove around the state, stopping at every surf shop and selling them. And they came in little treasure chests. So they look like little pirate maps and the treasure was where the waves were. So they were surfing spots. And what else have I done? I don't hear a number of half the things I've done. I'm, I started a company where I went to a place that was near where I lived in, a, in Annapolis, Maryland at the time that sold food wholesale to stores and I shipped it directly to the consumer. So I created a little shopping cart and sold. You could buy a box full of 12 bags of your favorite potato chips and having instead of having to buy them one at a time. So Basically, it was Sam's Club before Sam's Club. <laughs> so I always think of something that somebody else does a whole lot better later on. Sounds like you've got an amazing brain, though. <laughs> I just wish it, it was a little more amazing. <laughs> so I wish at the beginning of the web, I didn't bend to that was on. That would have been nice. Yeah, you mentioned Surfer Magazine a number of times. Were you an active surfer yourself? Not as much as I led them to believe. What was the attraction for you of working for a surfing magazine brand? My boyfriend at the time surfed, and so I thought of an article about surfing colleges that were near the ocean, so if you were a surfer, you didn't want to go there. And I just thought it made a good article, so I sent them a, a query letter asking if they'd be interested in it, and they were, so they published that. And then shortly afterwards, the person that they had doing all their East Coast reporting quit, and they needed somebody. And since they're based on the West Coast, they didn't know anybody on the East Coast. <laughs> so they were like, what about that girl who wrote that article? So they called and said, hey, do you surf at all? And I was like, sure, even though I didn't really much. And that was that. How fantastic. That's lovely. Turning away a bit from the specific box to your wider career, how have these various things that you've done outside of fiction fed and or hindered your writing, do you think? Has it helped you? I would imagine so. I think anything that you do that is more interesting than sitting on your sofa, staring at the wall, is going to help when you write. If I had a scene where I need a beach or something where I've been, then it, I can pull from that mirror. Or I've always been a trivia nerd, so and anything that I do or read or whatnot, it probably ends up in a book at some point or another. Yeah. yeah. When you started out writing, what was your main goal? And have you reached it yet? My main goal was just to make a living at it. It's something I love to do. So that's the bonus. And I can't really ever see myself not doing it. I do still have authors XP and whatnot, but I do well enough now that if everything else fell away and all I had was writing, I'd be able to survive. I mean, yeah. it was great to be New York Times bestselling yada, 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 but that hasn't happened yet. 
Yeah. Do you have got you inside today at Wall Street Journal? Plan no. something. Yeah. Look, Alias Reader, the podcast is called The Joys of Binge Reading. We do always like to check in with what people's reading tastes are. I know you've mentioned that you don't have much time for reading at the moment, but even what you might have really loved in the past. Tell us a bit about your reading history. I read a lot of nonfiction about things that, that just interest me. A lot of them are marketing books. I read one about the history of the banana not that long ago. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but I did. I know way too much about bananas now. The last fiction I read was probably Jack Reacher, the number one. I was, I'm probably the last person to actually get around to, to reading that, but because people were comparing my work to his, I figured I, I better read it. <laughs> Plus, I liked the TV show on, I guess it's Amazon or Netflix, one of them has it. Yeah, that's great. And previous to that, when you were reading fiction, did you start out reading mysteries? When I was super young, I read mostly fantasy, which I think is probably pretty standard for kids. And yeah. then it was like a lot of general literary type stuff. I would imagine. And then, but I did like mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've always liked mysteries and I'm, I like writing mysteries because I have a little problem. I did write a couple of romantic comedies and managed to make it through it. But because I don't write, I don't make plans ahead of time necessarily. I write as I go. Sometimes like with a mystery, you can always say, okay, now I'll just, how about a fight? Or here's another twist. Or it always seems to be somewhere to go. Whereas if it's just a romance, it's kind of like how many times can you have these people not quite hook up and before they finally end up together? <laughs> I'm sure really good romance writers are great at it, but to me, I, I get a little just stuck, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. What's next for Amy, the author? What's, what have you got on a desk at the moment? I'm pretty much just finishing up the 18th Pineapple Fort. And then after that, I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to do another Pineapple Court or She McQueen. And then things don't sell as well at the end of the year because people start thinking about Christmas and whatnot. So rather than write another book and release it during a time when it won't be as easy to make a splash, I'm going to write a standalone thriller, although I'm sure there will be humor in it, and, and then actually shop that one around with agents and maybe get it with Amazon or some big entity that could step me up to the next level, is it all possible? Yeah. You mentioned that word literary a moment ago, and I'm just interested in the way that the publishing world has developed. Years ago, it was nearly all literary fiction that was taken seriously, and people who wrote genre fiction, who are mainly women, were not taken seriously. Were you ever attempted to try the real literary route with your fiction? No, really. I try and I'm too fond of, like you said, that, that TV writing that I knew, that kind of style that I have for, I like the quick hits and the fights and the chase scenes and the humor. I do try to pull in weightier themes if I can. So that's my little nod to the more literary stuff, but I don't start with that. And it's more fun. And then that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. More storytelling than naval days. And I think that is, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I like to keep things snappy. 
looking down the channel of time over your literary, your creative writing career, is, is there anything that if you could go back a bit like Outlander and change it, would you want to do that? And what would it be? Two things off the top of my head. A, I wouldn't have stopped writing. I would have kept writing from the time that I was freelancing for magazines to novels. Boy, I'd have a lot of novels, but <laughs> that would be great. But I definitely wouldn't have stopped. And then I also, oh, what was the thing that popped in my head the second you said that? Oh, I, I think I'm concentrate more on the genres that I do now and not spend too much time doing so many different genres. If everything I had from the beginning, if I could take the, as much as I like my urban fantasies, I really do. I'm not as good at marketing them as I am because I've already got a mystery base of readers. So since it's so hard, but they're usually two different readers. I know my mother-in-law loves my mysteries, but when I try and get her into Kilty, she's, oh, that's too weird because it's got urban fantasies. But, so maybe I would take those books and turn them all into mysteries instead. But I don't know. Make me sad because I do like that storyline. Yeah. Tough call. If, how long did you have as a get where you weren't writing? Gosh, from maybe like 97 to 2014 or so. Yeah, 17 years or so. Yeah. I know this is a silly question to ask a person who's a real wet nerd, but do you enjoy interacting with your readers and where can they find you online? AmyBansant.com. And I really do by email. I'm not a big fan of songs or anything, but, but I'll answer anybody who emails me. I don't do much on social media, um, but if you join my newsletter and on amyvansand.com, I definitely talk a lot to people that'll write me and say, hey, you know, I, I love that last book, or I, I was thinking that you should do blank. And I have a lot of contests where I'll have my readers pick what's going to be on the next cover or in aim a bar or something that's going to be in the next book. So that's fun. Now, I was interested in your comment about social media, because obviously you're a person who really understands the web a lot better than most of us. Do you find that social media just doesn't work the energy? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I did quite a lot with it in the beginning. Spent a lot of time. I had probably still do. I don't know. I haven't checked lately, but like 30,000 fans on Twitter and I think those 30,000 fans probably sold me about one and a half books over the course of five years while I was spending an hour a day writing content for all my social media, making jokes, you know, getting the followers. That was a lot of time spent that I could have spent actually writing books instead. So I don't find that social media sells books that much for me anyway. Other people might have other experiences, but I do like Facebook advertising and Amazon advertising, but I spend pretty much zero time on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of those. Interesting. Very interesting. You you might be the sort of person who'd be interested in trying TikTok, though. Colleen Hooper seems to be having a great deal of success on TikTok. I think she's the unicorn there. Yeah, there's always a unicorn, that's right. It's been wonderful talking, Amy. Thank you so, so much. And just before you go, tell us about that dog. My dog. Well, he shows up in the books. He's Archie in the Sheen McQueen series. He is half Border Crowley and half Standard Poodle. 
and 100% pain in the neck, but he's only team. So he's getting better, but he's super, super smart and only uses his brains for, uh, for evil mostly. <laughs> and how old is he? Uh, two. Getting to the point where he might be stabilizing a little bit of becoming an add on. Yeah, he's going to be a great dog one of these days, but he's just still a little young. Right now, he's just dreaming about getting in the pool. <laughs> That's wonderful. Look, thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute delight to talk. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Next week on Binge Reading, All Being Well, and if international travel schedules go our way, New York best-selling author Jill Santopolo and her heart-rending dual timeline romance stars in an Italian sky. From Genoa, Italy in 1946 to 2017 New York, it's a sweeping and romantic story about the course of fate, the meaning of family and the power of love. That's next week, all being well. Jill is currently on holiday in Europe and we hope that the international flights will allow her to get back in time to record the show. If her plane is delayed, we do have alternative plans. That's it for today. Don't forget, if you enjoy the show, leave us a positive comment so others will find us too. Word of mouth still is the best. Happy reading and see you next time.